Now on the Business Radio X Network, Conscious Capitalism, elevating humanity through business in Southern Arizona. Your hosts, Sarah McLaren and Jeremy Neese. Southern Arizona does good business, and we want to talk about it. Welcome to Conscious Capitalism Radio Show and Podcast, streaming live and on demand from the Tucson Business Radio X Studio. Conscious Capitalism is an international movement promoting business as a force for good. The Conscious Capitalism movement has 40-plus chapters in the United States, including Arizona with lots of activity down here in the southern part of our state. We are bringing people together to make it easier for Southern Arizona businesses to do good business and to partner with other organizations who know successful companies value all their stakeholders, including the communities in which they operate. That's right. And on this show, we're doing just that by inviting community leaders to come and share their stories, to tell us about their personal journey through the world of business, to let us know what makes their organizations great and how they bring value to Southern Arizona. Stay tuned at the end of the show to hear about some upcoming opportunities to engage with conscious capitalism here in Southern Arizona and throughout the state. But for now, let's get into some of those good business conversations. Let me introduce you to the voices who are going to be participating in today's conversation. I'll begin with myself. I am Jeremy Neese, one of your hosts. When I'm wearing my conscious capitalism hats, I'm sorry, when I'm wearing my capitalist hat, I represent Retirement Evolutions, where our purpose is to maximize the number of people who are able to lead secure and comfortable retirements. I have many nonprofit interests as well, but no question conscious capitalism calls the loudest to me. It's where I put most of my energy as I feel it holds a unique power to fuel the missions of all nonprofits and beyond. And I'm Sarah McCurran from McCurran Compliance, where we provide safety training and consulting services specializing in MSHA, OSHA, and DOT. Now on to our guests. Our first guest today is Eugene Carter. He was born and raised in Northern California. He comes to Arizona by way of the U.S. Air Force. His background is in command, control, and communications with a focus on international operations. He was actively involved in air and ground operations in Desert Shield, Desert Storm, and Bosnia, to name a few. Eugene currently offers legal and identity theft protection plans to small businesses, their employees, and individuals throughout a company with more than 45 years in the industry. This allows him to help new and established businesses employ a conscious capitalism mindset and operate in ways they, might, they may not otherwise be able to afford. He is also a strong advocate for personal development. Eugene supports the local business community through the Tucson Metropolitan Chamber of Commerce and Startup Tucson. He also teaches Junior Achievement, uh, their Be Entrepreneurial course to local high school students annually. Eugene believes the four tenets of conscious capitalism are an essential key to the longevity and uh, of every business type. They also provide a strong foundation and basis for any other type of group or organization. Thank you, Eugene, for being here and welcome. Thank you, Sarah. It's good to be here. Our other guest today is Jennifer Sellers. So Jennifer has a, uh, she's been coaching and developing high potential and high performance leaders around the world since 2002. She serves as a thought partner to those leaders who want to uh, more consciously navigate the uncertainty and complexity that comes with their roles. She holds the credentials of Master Certified Coach through the International Coaching Federation. A native of Arizona, 
Jen has also lived in Colorado, Mexico, Japan, and Washington, D.C. In her two previous careers, she was first an educator, then worked under contract to NASA as a facilitator of groups at each of NASA's centers in the Learning and Technologies Program, a program that brought NASA's mission, uh, mission science and math to 12 through K schools. In the early 90s, they were doing the cutting edge work of placing the internet in schools to test its capabilities as an educational resource. Along with two partners, Jen co-authored a mindful leadership book and card deck called Pause, 52 Ways to Shift Any Outcome in Less Than a Minute. Jen is a member of the Arizona Conscious Capitalism chapter and a contributor to the growth of the Southern Arizona chapter. She is passionate about helping leaders apply in a very practical way, the inspired practices and tenets of conscious capitalism. Impressive. Thank you. And uh, we're glad you're here, Jen. Thank you. Glad, glad to be here. So, uh, you know, at the intro there, we had mentioned that there's a growing and healthy uh, community around conscious capitalism here in Arizona. And I can share that uh, right up until late spring, early summer, there were not meetings being held down here in Tucson. There, all the activity was centralized in Phoenix. So um, there was plenty of people that were making the journey. There was plenty of expressions of interest to be part of it, but it wasn't necessarily logistically feasible to make the ride up there. So um, there was an opportunity for anybody that wanted to raise their hand and sort of help carry the, the message down here and drive activities down here. And the four voices on the radio and uh, an additional person who couldn't join us today, Val Obrey, um, all kind of said, sure, let's go for it. So we find it appropriate that for our very first show discussing conscious capitalism down here in Tucson and Southern Arizona, that the four of us kind of huddle up. And you know, our objective for today is really just to share what our experiences have been coming towards conscious capitalism and how we see it as a, as a great opportunity for our communities to engage. So Eugene, how about you fire us up first? We are curious, what was your first encounter with conscious capitalism and what drew you to become involved? Well, my first encounter uh, was with Sarah. She was sharing some information with me about the program and just gave me a, a casual invite to participate with a meeting they were having in the Phoenix area. Uh, knowing Sarah for a little bit, uh, understanding some of the input that she has. And, and usually if Sarah gives you an invitation to something, it's probably a good idea to check it out. You may or may not be interested, but you definitely want to check it out. And so I took her up on it, went to the meeting, and, and found a lot of good information that I had been looking for down in the Tucson area. Uh, as you mentioned before, there are a lot of progressive things happening in the Phoenix and, and northern Arizona market, primarily Phoenix, that don't happen in the Tucson and southern Arizona market which obviously gives us an opportunity for growth and expansion. And we're starting to see with uh, the developments over the last uh, five years to 10 years, there is a very quick expansion of things that are happening here in the Tucson and Southern Arizona area, uh, both in business as well as in education, uh, both through the, the Metropolitan Chamber, the Sun Corridor, and a few other activities. And it's not the first time that these things have been initiated, but it is the first time that we're starting to see some real grit take place here. That's great. Um, you know, you mentioned the fact that when you attended that first meeting, sort of the, the lights went off that, wow, this is sort of what I've been looking for. And I didn't know I was looking for it. And as you kind of swim in our circles here for a little bit, swim in our pools, walk in our circles, help me. Um, the, the concept of unconscious conscious capitalist is a, is a term that we use pretty regularly where you, you sort of feel compelled to do 
uh, a purpose-driven uh, profit-seeking opportunities with your organization or with the clients that you pursue. Um, and so I find that interesting. You know, my story, a little bit similar in the fact that I tripped over the concept actually before it was even conscious capitalism. There was a book written in 2009, I believe, by a gentleman named Michael Strong and uh, John Mackey, who is the CEO of Whole Foods and sort of one of the Mount Rushmore figureheads of the conscious capitalism movement, if you will, uh, wrote the preface or the intro to the book and really spoke to these concepts that hadn't quite fully solidified into conscious capitalism yet. But, but the caption of the book was how entrepreneurs and conscious capitalists can solve all the problems of the world. So I was coming at a point in my life where uh, it had been a decade and a half of uh, a string of career activities that was really all interlinked together that was triggered by a job. And at this chapter in my life, as I'm doing a reboot, I was interested in a vocation, a calling, something that's beyond just how am I going to put food on the table for my family and, and go have a good, good pursuits with my, my entrepreneur energies were always positive, but they weren't necessarily driven by purpose and impact. And so conscious capitalism was what really, really stuck a chord in, in the, the, the languaging that they're using and the fact that, yeah, there's a lot more you can do than just profit. In fact, not all profit is equal. If there's a social benefit that goes along with profit making, that's a good thing. And we should go after that. You know, Jeremy, I'd like to interject there. If I, if I may just uh, briefly, what I've been noticing over the past, uh, as I mentioned, five to 10 years is that a lot of people from Tucson who have gone astray or not astray rather, but have gone abroad uh, to New York or out of the country or to LA to most of your metropolitan markets are beginning to come back home. Um, we see it. We see a number of them. They've started different businesses and so forth. And now they're starting to come back to Tucson. They're thinking more of legacy. They're thinking more of conscious uh, capitalism or doing things from a legacy standpoint. And as they come back, we're seeing some of those opportunities start to open up. So I uh, appreciate you allowing me to throw that in. But that's something that's really happening again here in the Tucson area. People who have left but are coming back home and trying to make a difference. And that makes good sense. And that's really, you know, one of the reasons why we're putting the show together and why we are getting behind this movement and putting wind in the sails of this for that very reason is let's be a place where people want to come and have this be the style of business that it's, a, it's not just what you do, it's how you do it that matters. So kind of with uh, journeys in mind and comings home, uh, Jen, can you tell us a little bit about your journey with conscious capitalism, what that's been like for you? Sure. Um, as, as Jeremy, as you were talking, I was thinking about how with coaching, almost all coaches are purpose-driven to begin with. So it's a very sort of, it, it fits already. And I remember reading years ago, and I, I didn't, I was going to look up and see when this book came out, but the book Firms of Endearment. Yes. Uh, uh, with, uh, written by Raj Sisodia and maybe a couple other people. Mm -hmm. Great uh, book. And I'll just say for people listening and and anybody who doesn't know that it's, uh, you know, it's all about the companies who in the, again, employ conscious capitalism techniques and, and, uh, tenets, even though this is before what was called conscious capitalism. And so it's the very various principles, uh, that are, that are similar to conscious capitalism and how they actually succeed more than those who don't. So um, that book struck me, and my, my actual connection with conscious capitalism came when I had a client who was heavily involved with conscious company media. 
and I went to their first leaders forum and I just had my eyes opened to this entire world of stuff that's going on. There's, you know, there were about five different groups uh, represented there as well as all kinds of individuals, but the conscious capitalism movement was there. The uh, social venture network was there. Um, the B Corp folks and, sure. you know, so a whole, whole bunch of people that I've, I'd heard of some of them and not all of them. And uh, the companies that were represented were conscious capitalist companies and people got up, you know, on stage time after time and doing interviews. And we got to learn about, you know, various aspects, their culture, their, their leadership development, their um, purpose driven, how they were purpose driven and their stakeholder, you know, vision for, for, um, for including all stakeholders, as Sarah mentioned, all the way out to the community and some say the earth as well. So that was, that was the eye-opener for me. And I came back and immediately got online and said, okay, conscious capitalism, oh, okay, there's chapter in Phoenix, not knowing that it was the third in the world, <laughs> third ever established. And uh, I, so I was one of those who started making the trek up there, as you mentioned before. Yeah, um, I'd say, you know, I was, you know, going up there just like everybody down here was doing before we started bringing it down here. And that was about a little over a year ago, I think maybe August of last year. Found it online. I don't even remember why I was searching online, but I was. I found it. I was curious. I drove up there. And although I can't specifically recall the first meeting, I do recall saying, I've got to be a part of this. Um, I, I you know, signed up for the membership right away. I got my copy of the book. I, uh, I'm an audiobook person, so I listened to it. And immediately connected because, you know, I spent many years in in corporate finance and for a large corporation. And so when you're in obviously not all companies, but in my company, um, which at the time and even now, I'd say it's a good company. However, there was definitely something that was missing. And it was very, very evident that our purpose was to benefit the shareholders. So ultimately, earnings per share and the maximum value for shareholders was very clearly why we were all in business. And when I first started, that made sense to me. I'm a finance person and I have a degree in accounting and I was like, okay, we'll do it. Um, but over time, and I spent eight years with that company, I started to change my mind a little bit and say, you know, I'm not sure this really makes sense. I don't even think this is the right way to do business. And it got to a point where I just really couldn't work there anymore. Because not only were we making decisions that actually weren't good for the company, but there was a lot of um, personal carnage, I suppose, <laughs> as well. Uh, and so although it may have been attractive for the, anal the, the, uh, the stockholder analysts or the, you know, the, the market analysts, I mean, and so and maybe even short term results in the corner in the quarter, it wasn't even good for the company long term. And I know because I was doing the analysis that said, don't do this, and they would do it anyway. So in any way, the, the book completely connected with me because I, after my eight years and realizing I wasn't interested in operating business that way, I'd kind of come to the conclusion of that is how you're supposed to do business. And they were talking about all of those things that had you know personally connected with me as a result of my experiences. 
So um, just like everybody else, going to several meetings month after month and driving up there and saying, hey, we really need to get something down here in southern Arizona. And then it finally happened. We've had you know, several meetings. We're, we're, we're doing different events. We're finding all kinds of ways to engage our community down here. Uh, and here we are today, uh, the four of us, doing our first Conscious Capitalism podcast. So... <laughs> Uh, so far, so good. It's, uh, the journey, um, you know, has been great. And I'm just, I'll probably just throw in there, I'm happy to have all of you with me. So. <laughs> <laughs> and the journey continues. Yeah, and the journey continues. Well, we wanted to dive in. There's, <clears throat> there's framework behind conscious capitalism. So depending on who you talk to, their definitions are probably going to be personalized a little bit. Usually there's consensus that it's a community. It's a movement of making the world a better place through good business. Um, but there's also framework, right? At some point, there needs to be a the rubber hitting the road. How do we bring these concepts, which are great to read about and feel, as Sarah says, you know, we're all happy to be here, but how do we actually make these things material in the workplace? So one of the key tenets talks about leadership. And Sarah and I were real interested to hear some dialogue, Eugene, between you and Jen, because you have such um, diverse backgrounds. And you've, you've been through the military ranks and have seen different side of things. And Jen, you're a very... Um, well-trained in this concept of helping people become leaders themselves and, and promoting the best within themselves within an organization. So we'd just love to hear your input. You know, Eugene, you can start for us and just, you know, share a little bit about what, what do you, th what's your background and your interest in conscious leadership? Sure. Um, I think one of the, the primary things we have to really uh, consider in conscious leadership, and, and you alluded to that earlier, uh, the conscious aspect means that you're basically uh, diving in or starting with a plan. Uh, you're living intentionally versus seeing what happens and making adjustments as it goes. And that's an interesting aspect because we've seen over the last couple of generations that, um, and, and I'll just go back a little bit. Uh, I grew up in a time frame where when there were competitions that went forth, there was basically first, second, and third place. And if you didn't place in there, then you, you were a participant, but you weren't really rewarded or received anything for being a participant. And it appears nowadays it's bad for someone's esteem if they're not rewarded for being a participant. When I was growing up, um, you were rewarded by peer pressure to excel or achieve. And if you put forth that effort, you were rewarded. If you didn't, you didn't get that. Now, I would say, consequently, we see a lot of people on the streets asking for help. Uh, a young man approached me uh, just a couple of days ago, in fact, one that I see periodically here and there, and he was asking for some change. He told me he just had to get $7. Now, I thought to myself when he said he just had to get $7, where did he expect somebody to get the $7 from that they were going to give to him, whether that was incrementally or all in one piece? Because they would have to work or do something to get it. Why couldn't he work or do something to get that same thing? Now, I know I'll catch a lot of flack because there are people who run into different situations and they are, are uh, prohibitive or it's very difficult for them to do that. And so we start to talk about the fairness factor. But I would tell you very quickly, Jeremy, if I had a, um, if I had a, what do you call it, photographic memory and you had to study it would be fair if you knew that I had a photographic memory and you had to study. So when we went to take the test, it would be fair because you knew you had to prepare more than I did. It would be unfair 
if you didn't know that, and therefore we end up with different results. But again, because you knew that, then it's fair because you know what you need to do in preparation, just like I know what I, I need to do in preparation. If it's a competition, you're saying. In, in grades or whatever it is. Okay. When we go to do it, and my, my basic point is, if you know what you need to do, then it's fair. If you don't know, then it's not fair. Now, I didn't say it was equal. I said it was fair, and there's a significant difference between those. So again, coming from a military background, we understand there's different situations that we are in. We understand there's different situations that we'll go into. But if we understand what we're going into, we know what we need to do, then we should take the time to prepare and plan for it so we can have a successful outcome. If we don't, and we just live by the seat of our pants, if you will, or by whatever happens, then we should not be upset or feel that we've been treated unfairly because we lacked preparation. So going back to what I mentioned as far as a first, second, and third place versus a participation party or participation awards, participation ribbons, if everybody is a, is rewarded for just showing up, what do you do with those people that put forth an effort? Or a better question, why should they put forth an effort if they're gonna be rewarded anyway? So if they understand that they're not gonna be rewarded, that they have to put forth an effort, then those people will begin to take, uh, what do you say, take an investment in their future. They will sit down and come up with a plan. Uh, we used to say in the military that without a plan, you have nothing to deviate from. <laughs> Certainly without a plan, you're just floating around and whatever happens, happens. Now, of course, if everybody's going to feel sad for you and they're going to make up that difference, that's a wonderful thing. I don't have those type of pockets, and I really don't think that most of us do, that we can just reward or award those that decide not to participate in their own success. We can't always try and help those that decide to participate in their own failure. We have to let them do that. So in the, in the, the words of some of the, the great minds that you spoke earlier of, uh, the Coveys, uh, Mackeys, and so forth, if we tend to take care of ourselves, then we do not create, create a strain for those others that we work with. If we work together and move forward, when we do come across those strenuous times, when we come across those problematic areas, then it's easier to help that person and their mindset is clearer to get back on track and move forward. That way we work together as a team, okay? Not to someone else's demise, but to all of our progression. And so that's the kind of thing that, that I find with conscious capitalism is that there is a plan for long-term, not just the immediate grab it, run, take advantage of the situation, but let's look at further down the road when we're not in the same um, ability, if you will, to move forward. So let's work together continually and we'll have continued progress as we go forth. That makes good sense. Jen, what are your thoughts on that? And how does that compare or contrast with your experiences? I guess for me, I, I work much more uh, directly with individuals. And so what I'm looking at with them is, you know, how, yeah, uh, I'll be a thought par partner and help them, help them discover for themselves their own plan. And what I'm really focused on is how are you growing yourself uh, internally? Um, just as a framework there's a great book called the 15 commitments of conscious leadership. And the, one of the things that that's an overarching concept in that book um, is this idea that you're either as a leader or even as a human being, we're always all in a state of threat or a state of trust. And if you're in a state of trust, you have a mindset that's basically open, curious and committed to learning 
if you're in a state of threat, you have a mindset that's closed, defensive, and committed to being right. And I just loved when I read that, it just went boing, 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 because who doesn't love being right? I love being right. And, and who doesn't love it too much sometimes now? So there's nothing wrong with actually being right. It's the being so grabbing onto, I must be right. And uh, that, you know, that you can't be open and curious and see what's going on. So using that as a framework, um, the important piece about it and that people as individuals get to, you know, learn and practice over and over and over in, the, in, their, in their businesses is it's not as important that I'm either, that I stay in a state of trust all the time. That's not possible. What's most important is that I know which state I'm in. Um, so many times now, and, and this is kind of what I was mentioning a little bit, but Jen hit it right on the, on the button, and she's mentioned it through the different books she's read, is that we are a society now of being entertained versus educated. And I remember there was a time that we did the education, and, and understanding technology is a beautiful thing. Um, it's the purpose that it's used for that becomes a problem. And nowadays, we want to entertain people. We want to put them to the cor- in the corner or as long as they're out of the way for whatever we're doing, which in a lot of cases runs into our own entertainment. But if we could be educated or if we took an interest in being educated um, and, and obviously with balance, that becomes a very good thing. But I think we've gone away from a lot of the educational processes that we used to have. And um, when you look at a society that's entertained versus educated, a lot of times you run into some interesting problems or interesting situations. And I think we see a lot of those. So I, I just wanted to point that out because it's what Jen mentioned there on a couple of occasions is so very important. It's the power of education. And we can all get that. We don't have to get it by grades or necessarily a degree as far as seeing the rewards of it. We can see it in the productivity of what we're doing as well as how we feel. And that's whether it's education about our own well-being, as she, as she brought out again, because when you look at the power of the whole, it, it's not just the individual fingers, it's the hand, but the hand is a, a, a mix of all fingers. So thank you, Jen. I'm sorry I jumped in there with a lot of time, but that's very powerful, and I didn't want to leave that out. Thank you again, Jen. So um, just having listened to both of you on, you know, perspectives of leadership, sort of, you know, one thing that I heard uh, with with Eugene is that, you know, it's it sounds like uh, his perspective on leadership, and you can correct me, uh, is that a leader's job in many ways is to make sure that things stay fair. So again, not equal, but uh, if they ensure that they're continuing to make things fair and giving people opportunities, and then we have to let them either basically rise or fall, and then depending on which way they've gone, you continue as a leader to go back and ensure that things are fair. And I would say, just real quick, that um, if you tie that into what Jen has said about being in a state of trust or threat, so in order to you know continue to make sure that things are fair, as a leader, you know when you see somebody that's falling, for instance, and you feel like you're responsible, you know, for their team or creating this overall success, it probably puts you into a state of threat. And so now you have to, you know, catch yourself, you know, figure out, you know, whatever your 52 ways to flip yourself in a minute or whatever, <laughs> whatever that's those exactly cards, it. Yes. yeah, those <laughs> cards are, and and you know, and trust that, you know, but as long as I recreate the conditions that ensure that it's fair for all of my people, 
then again, they have the chance to either, you know, rise or fall. And most likely in most situations, individuals are continually rising and falling at different moments. And then Eugene, where you say, ultimately, we have to figure out how we work together and continue to move forward. Well, if the if we know that the individuals within the team are rising and falling at different points, and that's okay, and we continue to create those environments where things are are fair and people continue to have opportunities and we can move forward together because in the next moment, the person who was falling yesterday, they can rise today. And now you're starting to talk a little bit about the other tenet of culture. Yeah. You know, so what is, what is the culture within our, within our organization? Is it something that supports everybody in, in maybe not equal ways, but fair ways, as you're saying. If I can also just point out with that in, in leadership, the, the only slight adjustment I guess that I would look at is, is that the leader needs to provide direction and then be supportive in helping everyone to achieve that, that destined place or direction that they want to go. And sometimes uh, the way they provide that direction is getting a lot of input from their teams and people around them. That's right. And leadership happens in two ways, right? First, you lead by your own behaviors, your own actions, showing up as the best form of you that you can for what you're engaging on. And then secondarily, how are you leading others? Uh, and, you know, the comments about the, the continual learning and education, I mean, that's really, uh, we, we talk about, we wish we could just call it capitalism, that we didn't have to add the adjective of conscious, that if we just took care of our stakeholders and were conscious about the ramifications of our actions as business operations, and we're always well-intending and concerned about not having losers anywhere in the equation, trying to find win-wins across the board. We don't need conscious, but at this phase, leaders do need to be conscious. You do need to be aware of how am I helping create an environment where people we're studying our operations. How are we going about doing what we do and how can we do it better and add more value for people? So leadership comes at multiple levels and you, you touched on those well. Right. And, and as you're saying, like we are creating an environment of some sort. And so are Absolutely. we conscious about, of what kind of an environment we're creating? Mm -hmm. And, and I like the way that you, again, Jen, some of the things that you're throwing out there, because when you say creating, we are providing leadership. It's just what kind of leadership? Is it a, a failing leadership? Is it a, a something that may be disappointed, disappointing in the end, or is it something we can be proud and happy of? So we're creating it and it is leading. It is leadership. It's just what type. And if it is conscious, then that means you're aware of what you're trying to do and you make those strong efforts to get to that particular point in space. Yeah. And I, I want to say something right here that, that I think about a lot with conscious capitalism, which is it's not binary. You're either conscious or not as a, as a capitalist. True. It's very much on a continuum. And so um, I think we can't really say, you know, this is, this is, it, it, you've, if you do these five things, you're going to be a conscious capitalist. What you can say is if you, if you focus on these various areas and you're constantly improving in them, then you're on, you're on the path. And Correct. it's really more about being on the path than being at the destination. Right. It's not a set it and forget it. It's continuous. Yeah. You might've done something on Monday that was right in line with your values and, and what you want to bring to market. And then on Wednesday, there's a new challenge. And if you stray in your focus on how we're going to do this, Right. It doesn't make you not a conscious capitalist anymore. It makes you somebody who's learning and hopefully you come back round after you've strayed. That's, that's always the important thing is, you know, I get off track. I'm going to get off Find track. True north again. How do I get back on? That's right. Yeah. 
That's right. Well, and I think, you know, businesses are different, you know, just like humans are unique, businesses are unique. And to say that conscious capitalism is this one thing and it looks like this, well, that is unrealistic. It is certainly wouldn't work. And so what conscious capitalism looks like and how it works will be different, you know, company by company by company. And sometimes even as an outsider, when you're looking at something, you might you know, and look at a certain practice, you might, you know, raise an eyebrow and or be curious or, or, you know, or just kind of wonder, is that, you know, is that the way to do things? Because, you know, I do it, you know, like this. But then if you if you dig in and you understand the business model, you say, right, that does make sense for your business. And, you know, and yeah, it probably, you know, is the best thing for, you know, for all of your stakeholders. And I think one thing that uh, I, I hope that we bring through this show uh, is, is many different examples because we're, you know, we're bringing in lots of different community leaders, people from different businesses. We are, we are not, you know, dipping into the conscious, you know, capitalism, people who already identify. We're going to, you know, businesses throughout Southern Arizona so that they can come and tell us, you know, more about their businesses and where they are. And then, you know, it'd be Jeremy and I's, you know, job to sort of connect that back to conscious capitalism for them and for, you know, all of our listeners. So, um, you know, we, we've talked a lot about leadership and how important it is and, and, and how um, it's a key ingredient for a good business. And so that kind of makes me curious. And I'll ask you, Eugene, you know, what are some of your favorite examples of what you would consider to be good businesses? Wow, that's, uh, that's a good question. I'll tell you uh, some examples of good businesses, and, and I'll use uh, just the if I may, some of the, the things that we see or examples that they employ versus naming any particular companies, uh, good businesses tend to be those where the employees of the businesses are happy to be there, that they want to be there. And I'm talking about to the point where they may tell their family and friends, hey, I'm working at this particular place. I enjoy being there. It's a good business when the owners or the employees are happy about waking up in the morning and going in or afternoon or evening, depending on their shift, but they're happy about going there. That becomes significant, uh, a significant key to a good business. Yeah, I agree. The, uh, a, uh, an engaged workforce is a pretty good indicator uh, that it's, uh, it's a good business. I think about, you know, and I I don't remember the actual numbers, but, you know, Gallup has a study about engagement and there's like a $600 billion productivity loss every year because, you know, only 30% of your employees are actually actively engaged. And I think on the other side, 30% are actually disengaged, which means they're probably working against you. And I think uh, I was trying to remember and I couldn't quite get it right, but the definition of engagement is, you know, an employee who who uh, voluntarily, you know, works for the good of the company. Uh, and it, so it's something, you know, something like that. And so I think that's, a, a, you know, a great description. Uh, I have no problem dropping names myself. And I was thinking about a couple of examples of businesses. And I think about uh, Goodman's. Uh, both here and uh, and uh, up in Phoenix, when you when you go to their office up in Phoenix, it's like there's no question that they are, you know, support uh, supporters of the community because all of the work they do is literally, um, uh, you know, 
painted on the walls throughout uh, throughout the business. And so as the the both the customers, but more importantly, the employees are there and working hard. Uh, if they have, ever have any question about the 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 impact they're making or, you know, or why they want to be a part of the company, all they have to do is look up on any wall and see the many different uh, community organizations that their company supports. And same thing at Goodman's down here. They have an operation called Good Threads, which um, provides a, a boutique, basically, for foster children to come and families to come and shop um, at regularly scheduled times. And again, that is right there in the building. A portion of their building is carved out and is the Good Threads uh, boutique. I also think about uh, AGM Container Controls, another company down here, and uh, how they provide college education for all of their employees. They do not, it, it, there's no strings attached. I mean, except for that, you, you know, you have to, you know, pass and go and, and, you know, <laughs> and actually, and actually do the work, but they don't care if it's something that relates to their business. And they don't even care if you're, if you plan to stay long-term, they just believe that it's good for their business and it's good for their community to, to educate. Uh, and they're willing to pay for it. So those are uh, a couple of examples and a couple of people who I, I think you'll probably be hearing from on the podcast sometime in the future. <laughs> they, are, they are good. And, and of course, you have Agape Hospice and Paragon who in, invest and look at uh, different things that are expanding the Tucson community and not just having people at work, but having people at work that are expanding and growing in what's going on with, with our world and, and that around us. Uh, the personal development side which is something that we look at very good in our business. The, the thing that you brought out there is another uh, point that's very strong, too. So appreciate sharing those. But since you wanted to throw a couple names out, those are a few oh, others. Oh, yeah, you don't mind name dropping either, huh? <laughs> Once the door's open, he'll walk yeah. through. Well, so on the flip side of that coin, so that's great we can profile good businesses. Um, and, and I'll need your help on some of these stats because in, in recent conversations at uh, Conscious Capitalist meetings, we've been discussing that there was a survey done of 18 to 30-year-olds on the perceptions of capitalism. And over the last decade, it has fallen almost double-digit percentage points, I believe, well, in actually, favorability. I think what it what I can I remember what you're talking about, and uh, needs to. yeah, and so I think what may be a little closer, although I'm not going to say it's totally correct, is that they they've asked the questions um, whether you view capitalism favorably, yes or no, and then independently asked the question, do you view socialism favorably, yes or no. And on the capitalism side, it's almost been unchanged. Like they, they, they're, yeah, whatever. It's on the socialism side where yeah, they're flipped. saying people are now viewing in that younger age group socialism more favorably. Well, let's, that, John, let's, I think correct. it's actually opposite. No, no? I, I, All right. Let's ask a basic question though. Would you rather be the star of the team or the owner? And we can put that question with whoever it is and, and let them answer that. And I'm pretty sure most people would say they'd rather be the owner on the team and have the opportunity to play when they chose to or not. So the percentages are going to be good, whatever they may be. But let's each individual uh, listener, as well as ourselves, just ponder that for a moment. Would you rather be the owner or the star of the team? And, and we know there's only one or two stars. So if you're not the star, then you find another position in there. But again, would you rather be an owner or a star? So. And that brings it a little bit closer to home. 
Well, I hope if I was the owner, I would create a team where everybody <laughs> felt valued and no one would even want to answer that question. <laughs> We'll have your participant award at the end of the show. You know what? And I'm going to say something about that real quick. I got to go back to my notes. But uh, um, so if, just real quick, but if you want to contrast the whole thing about, you know, first, second, third, and now everybody gets participant awards, I actually... A little bit of insight into me, I suppose, on, on uh, solicit, you know, nobody asked for it, but here it is. Um, I think both of those systems are missing the point. I actually believe that what what we should be, you know, teaching our children is that you put in the maximum effort regardless of the results. And so it doesn't matter if you're first, second or third, and it doesn't matter if you get the participants award. We, we, we give it our best and, and we always do our best because it's what we're, what we should do. And that is the reward. I wish it was the reality. Well, like it could be, we just got to change, you know, the way that we, that we uh, look at things, uh, one conscious company at a time. I'll, I'll bring us back to, to the direction I was heading. That's an interesting conversation and we can keep rolling there. Um, the thought w that I was trying to pursue was, so there is this perception, whether it be socialism is more favorable or capitalism is dwindling in favor of people that are entering the workforce and are, we're asking to help solve the problems and make the human family uh, better as we move forward. Jen, what would you say to those people? What, what would you want to enlighten them with? The people who are are feeling that capitalism is incurably bad is, yes, is yes. failing. Um, I guess, I, I guess I have just it, it feels like a very general idea that we. It's almost what Eugene's saying. We we can make it what we what we want, you know. And so, if you're not crazy about the way things are, great, make some changes. And you've got the opportunity, and it really actually is a really rich time to make those kinds of changes. There's, there's, there's enough going on uh, that you can find people who are like-minded. And, um, and there are, you know, I mean, I think the people within, so, within conscious capitalism will often give a lot of, you know, the sort of statistics about how much capitalism has helped the world. And you can point to that, but I'm not sure it would um, convince anybody who feels that capitalism is failing. Uh, I probably wouldn't try and talk them out of their ideas, you know, that capitalism in some sense is failing. And that's why we're coming along, you know, why conscious capitalism is coming along, because it's not working the way it's the way it's working now. And so my I guess my message would just be great. Let's do something about it. Right. Yeah, I think it's a lot um, perception, right? What are what are we paying attention to? Are we yes. paying attention to you know a lot of the headlines? Let's face it, right? So scandal sells, and yeah. um, the the big stories tend to be the ones that have some blood and mayhem and discomfort, and that's what. Right. There's a lot of good news happening. That, Correct. That's so not what if we just change because, our perspective? Yeah. Exactly. Not right. that you know. Focus capital, on it's it. like a tool. A hammer is not inherently good or bad. If it's being used to build a house to you know, keep a family warm or cool in the summers here. That's a good thing. If it's uh, a Joe Pesci uh, character in a mobster movie <laughs> who's grabbing the hammer, you might be a little nervous about it, right? So that's uh, true. Definitely want to be intentional as opposed to just correct. waiting to see what happens. So correct. So I think uh, I think it's important that like these stories that we're bringing on this show and others that we're, we're definitely countering that negative perception because again, I don't think to your point, it's inherent. 
as part of the system of capitalism, whether it's good or bad, it's actually benign. It's what do we do? And the good news is, is it incurable? No, we're, we're participants in this. If you're almost everybody has a job and if you don't, we're all consumers. And so who are you consuming from the ones that are doing it right or the ones that are doing it wrong? You have a say in it. You can influence it. You know, and, and that's one of the things that I think is great about conscious capitalism is that it is bringing, you know, light or, or sharing uh, examples of the companies who are practicing capitalism in a way that's good for all, that it's it's profitable. Um, it's good for the, the company and for the people who have invested and own it. It's good for the employees. It's good for the, the vendors. It's good for the people they sell to, the communities. And like Jen said, and, and ideally, you know, even the earth, if we're, you know, truly doing this, the, you know, I'll say the right way from my point of view. <laughs> and, um, and so, you know, it, it just helps us see that there is a lot of really great companies doing really great things and making a lot of money. One of my, uh, uh, sort of, um, uh, I guess, uh, um, maybe hopes or things that gives me some faith in the future is that, you know, Jen brought up the the book uh, Firms of Endearment that, you know, talked about conscious cap uh, conscious companies and uh, and specifically contrasted their profitability uh, with, you know, quote unquote, traditional capitalism companies who focus only on making money for their investors. And the conscious capital ca conscious companies uh, that were uh, in the book uh, compared again to those traditional capitalism companies, outperformed 14 to 1 on, from a financial perspective. And there's two versions of this book. So these were two different 10-year studies. And in both cases, they produced, you know, similar the same results where they outperformed 14 to 1. So the way I look at it, uh, if nothing else, the conscious companies are just going to outlast everybody else and we'll get there one way or another. <laughs> Perspective. We're seeing a lot of the uh, growth in the Tucson and Southern Arizona market. I uh, just dropped a couple of notes that I, I saw uh, not too long ago. We're looking at um, the things happening in the, in the health area with HealthNet and Simpatico, um, Carondelet, uh, their Marana hospital that they're opening up in the next year or so. Also, the things that have just happened at UC, UMC Banner. So in the, even in that area, there's a lot of growth that's taking place. We see the new softball stadium over at the U of A, uh, the new minor league football area that's being built up that's team. coming here, the advances that are happening in place in hockey and so forth. And then, of course, some of those uh, um, that are very happy that now we're able to have libation or adult beverages at some of our athletic events that were not allowed before. So, again, as long as the intent is understood when they go in, it's a good thing. So we want to be responsible also. But also the Pasquayaki Nation and their casino and hotels – Different banks have really been building here. And when banks are moving, they're doing it for a particular reason. We see real estate is starting to grow. My point here, and, and as well, let me not leave out because of my own, own background in history, but that Davis Mountain Air Force Base has won number one base in our U.S. base, um, Air Force Base, excuse me, in the nation. So we're seeing a lot of growth in this area of Tucson and, and Southern Arizona, a lot of growth taking place now. So it becomes us all as residents to become intentional about what our next step is going to be. Even as, as Sarah brought out, I mean, if somebody wants to sit back and relax and see what happens, and, and I know you didn't say it exactly like that, but if they wanted to, then they should be intentional about that. If they're going to be, as, as I've heard someone say, if they're going to be a bum, let them be the best bum that they can. If they're going to be uh, uh, an academian, then let them be the best at that. 
whatever we're going to do, let's start being intentional with what we're doing. Let's start working together. Let's move through that progress. Let's do things at a better rate than what we have in the past. Let's be better so that we can pass things on as everybody, as I understand it, wants to, to the next generation. And that's why I said, as I mentioned earlier, that a lot of uh, people from Tucson that have left have been coming back. I'm sure those are the things they're looking at. It's a nice place to be. It, it reminds me of uh, some places in Europe, and that's why I've stayed here. I travel from California into the Midwest, but I like the location that's set up. As, as well, I see a lot of snowbirds that come back and forth. So it's a good place, and we have all of those activities taking place in our region. Why not be part of it? And then we don't have to be upset or complain that somebody else came from somewhere else and is taking advantage of things that we had in front of us the whole time, which I don't know if I'd really be saying much about that anyway. It's kind of embarrassing when somebody looks at you and says, well, why is that? So, But anyway, I started to go off on another tangent. So you kind of, you know, you threw out a couple of different, I'd say, ingredients there. Um, and hopefully it's a recipe, you know, for success. So lots of activity and growth going on in Tucson, people coming back and wanting to build a legacy. Uh, at the same time, you know, we're talking about this conscious capitalism movement and how the companies that are in it for the long term and, and which is a big part of what conscious capitalism is. It's just a long term view on the sustainability of your company. Uh, so those new companies, those new opportunities, all of this growth and a business model that ensures long term profitability and long term sustainability. Uh, let's make sure we bring them, you know, together. And and here the four of us are, plus Valerie, who uh, isn't able to be on, uh, on the show with us today, uh, a real opportunity, you know, for us to, to make a difference. And I think in the ways that we're all, you know, hoping to. So you know, kind of with that in mind, you know, Jen, what do you hope to be the result of your efforts with conscious capitalism? You know, for me, it's just grow the, grow the movement, have more and more people understand it, learn about it, know about it, apply it practically in their businesses. And, uh, you know, just hoping that between us, we can, uh, you know, get the word out, attract people in and have people learn about it and see, see that, it's actually happening. It's happening in this world. It's happening in Tucson. And how can I, how can I do a little bit more in, in this way or that way to put me on the path? And Eugene, how about you? Um, pretty quickly, uh, that's one of the basis of, of my business as far as what it's set up. Uh, we understand some of the bigger distractors that are taking place is people stealing folks' identities, uh, impersonating them, starting things in their name. That makes it very difficult for you to focus or concentrate on what you're doing when someone else is tearing up your credit, your reputation, or whatever it is. So if we can help folks to protect their, their information and then get them access to the legal system, which most folks don't generally have, so it hasn't been affordable to speak with an attorney, to get good legal counsel. And I think all of us would agree, as well as uh, most, if not everyone in the audience, that if you're able to get good legal counsel before you make a decision, you'll make a smarter decision. Uh, as I heard a judge say one time, not talking to me, to someone else, <laughs> but that the law is not logical, it's legal. So if you're going to step in that arena or do something, make sure that you have that support. And so that's what we offer as a, as a business to help people make those those decisions, get the good counsel, have the resources so that they can do better as they move forward. And that's what I would like to see is people taking action and doing so with good information as they make those decisions. Jeremy, what about you? What do you want to what do you want the results of your efforts to be? 
Well, I certainly echo, uh, you know, Jen, your thoughts on just let's, let's grow this as big as it can be. At my core, I'm, I'm probably a, would identify myself as a systems person. So it's great we can have ideas, but I'm really interested in the implementation of those ideas and empowering people. You know, I, a lot of people know how to do push-ups, but sometimes they just need somebody barking in their ear saying, hey, I think you can grind out five or 10 more, right? So if people just need access to this information, then I want to help point them to the right direction. I mean, the, the information that's been curated already through the conscious capitalist movement is really significant. I mean, we've talked about some of the books that are out there and you can get lost. I mean, I really, it was the spring when I first joined in with conscious capitalism. So it, uh, since then, I mean, I've just feel like I'm just fully immersed. There's just a endless stream of good information out there. So I want to be able to help people get access to that. And for those that are, I like that, but I either don't have the resources or I don't quite have uh, the concept of how I would mechanize some of these ideas and how do I put them in place? Or, you know, one of the things I love when you have conversations with people at the meetings is there's people that have been doing this for, you know, years, decade almost at at the inception of the, of the uh, movement. And so they still find value in coming to these monthly meetings or coming to the the summits that we have periodically and, or they create their own just because they see the value in hanging out with like-minded people and sharing, um, you know, here's the challenge that I encountered and here's what we did about it. Have you seen something similar and, or what, what have I learned? So, you know, I always like to point to, I found a landmine and I sure don't want you to have to step on it. So let me circle that on the map here for you so that you don't have to take the same misstep that I did. So, if I could look back several years from now and be able to point to those things happening, that would be success for me. How about you, Sarah? Oh, well, um, I am uh, sort of a, uh, and I, you might have guessed, a bit of an idealist and a, a, a big picture person. So I uh, really believe that we can, you know, make the world a better place. You know, we, we, we learn to treat each other better. We recognize that everybody has value. And we realize that when we value each other, we, uh, we make money. And, uh, and we want to invest that money back into our community and to our people. It's like, you know, utopia, I suppose. Um, so with that, I want to thank our guests, Jen Sellers from Inspired Mastery and Eugene Carter with Legal Shield. Thank you so much for being on the show and more importantly, for doing good business down here in Southern Arizona, and more, more importantly, maybe, maybe not, uh, for being a part of you know our team and and growing conscious capitalism down here. Thank, Thank you. you, absolutely. Thanks to you both. So we're going to wrap up with just some information on how you can connect further. We've got some up to, upcoming activities within uh, conscious capitalism. Make you aware of uh, if you're really fired up and you feel like heading up to Phoenix tomorrow night, five thirty to seven thirty at Goodman's Interior. Uh, which is approximately Indian school in 17 center of town. Uh, There will be uh, the topics for the meeting is uh, I think it was last week or the week before was the annual CEO summit for conscious capitalism. So we're going to get a a review of the conversations that were held there and all the good things that happened. And uh, a member company will be profiled DMB community life. So we'll get to learn about uh, their conscious capitalist ways Down here in Tucson, the next opportunity would be Tuesday, November 1st. We're going to be at AGM Container Controls. Sarah, you already mentioned them. And uh, real quickly, I'll say on Friday night, I was at the Tucson Chamber, their Copper Cactus Awards. Uh, It's another annual event where they 
highlight uh, different organizations who are doing great things in the community. And uh, Howard and his team actually won uh, workforce development uh, at that event. So that was great to see. So they'll have lots of uh, exciting things to share, I'm sure. Uh, that's at 3626 East Fort Lowell. Again, that's Tuesday, November 1st. Uh, let's see. Uh, also Wednesday, December 12th. I we're, think the first might be a Thursday. Thursday. You know what? It's important that we check those details and I thank you for doing so. So Thursday, November 1st. Uh, the next one up in Phoenix again will be December 12th. And that will be again at one of the member businesses, TTI Success Insights in Scottsdale. And also just pointing a little bit to events coming up into 2019, uh, Conscious Capitalism, Southern Arizona, and Local First Arizona are working on putting together a cooperative event, co-hosting something early in the year. And also, we've got a, um, a big show coming April 23rd to the 25th. The International Conference is going to be housed up in Phoenix Sheridan Wild Horse Pass Resort. So... All this information can be found on uh, the web, www.consciouscapitalismaz.com, and you can get more information on all those details. So finally, a special, thank to Mar special thanks to Mark Bishop and the Tucson Radio X, uh, who broadcasts out of the Stewart Title and Trust Building. Uh, keep in mind, everyone, our next live stream will be November 13th, so, so you can listen live or you can stream on demand at businessradiox.com backslash Tucson dash business dash radio. Uh, talk to you then or see you at one of our upcoming events.